I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Quite a stormy day here in Hackney, and we're just rushing back to base. By we, I mean me, Mr Binks, and Prudence. I should just clarify that Mr Binks isn't my boyfriend, but he is my English toy terrier, and Prudence is my miniature bull terrier. We're heading back to interview Toby Rose, who is the founder of The Palm Dog, and we're going to be talking dogs in film. Toby Rose, are you there? I am loud and clear and woofing and barking. Thanks so much for joining me on a, on a Dog's Life. My very great pleasure. If it's called A Dog's Life, I'm obviously already keen and um, excited to be a part of it all. Well, yes, because the last time we did an interview together, it was actually on Soho Radio. Do you remember? About, I certainly do. Yeah, about a year ago, in fact. Yes, in, in uh, the lovely studios in Soho, just off Piccadilly Circus. Yes, and that was to do a dog slot um, for them, which hasn't worked out as yet. So um, I've taken a dog's life um, to be a podcast. Hmm. I so, think that's wise. <laughs> Toby, now, you're a passionate dog lover, but perhaps your, your other passion really is film. And you've been uniquely successful in fusing the two of these in the amazing awards called The Palm Dog. Do explain a bit more. Well, The Palm Dog uh, is actually very pleased to be talking about it right now, here now in 2020, because it is the uh, 20th anniversary of Palm Dog which started out in 2001 and it was uh, inspired by my dog at the time, the lamented but much loved, remains much loved for Muttley. He was a fox terrier who I found um, by chance, I think it's fair to say, in a flea market in Champagne. So I like the concept of fleas and markets and Champagne. It's a whole mishmash of things and he brought together a lot of uh, fabulous personality and uh, as a working cinema journalist at the time i would go on certain interviews uh, taking along this four-legged friend Muttley, who was uh, supremely charismatic and wonderful and he would become uh, pretty much a center of attention the instant he involved himself with any other people obviously to my much much to my horror but I'm, nonetheless he was obviously a wonderful person and um, one of the things we did was do a short film and that was shown at the Cannes Film Festival short film corner um, and at that point when we we put that out and it was great and we loved it filmed in Paris Champagne with bits from believe it or not, a Shanghai visit, goodness knows what else. But we realised that no matter how fabulous Martin Hibb is in this fabulous short film called Identity Crisis, uh, he would never have a chance of winning a prize. And so we righted that wrong 
in 2001 by creating the Palm Dog. That's so interesting. I didn't realise that Muttley had starred in a movie. And that just reminds me of something that, you know, the amazing Rin Tin Tin, you know, the, the, the first Rin Tin Tin that actually saved Warner Brothers from bankruptcy and the one, the Rin Tin Tin that earned more than Greta Garbo. He um, equally never received an Oscar, you know, even though he really was a landmark film dog. Well, I completely agree. And there is, as you know, that Hollywood legend. Do you know the Hollywood legend? Which Hollywood legend? Lassie? No, the Hollywood legend has it that, uh, in, I believe I'm right in saying 1931, but this is something we would have to confirm. But at around and about that time, Lassie had been fabulous on the big screen and was quite rightly voted in the first round of votes best actor at the Oscars. But the uh, organisers took it upon themselves to say, this is not sufficiently august and is not giving this fabulous award in its infancy at the time the correct amount of respect and reverence. They then handed it to um, a German uh, actor whose name is completely, uh, has a bit completely escaped me, which is, is for good reason and illustrates my point. He was a, 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 a silver, a, a silent screen actor and they gave it to him. And then very shortly thereafter came the jazz singer and talkies and he was never heard of again. But as you quite rightly just pointed out, Rin Tin Tin went on to huge fame and fortune and was clearly the best one for the best Oscar, I'd say. Yes, there was a lot of rivalry between Rin Tin Tin and Lassie. Um, I actually visited Rin Tin Tin's grave, you know, Toby. It's in Paris to bring the tone down a bit. But um, so there's a wonderful pet cemetery in Paris that not everyone knows about it. And I really wanted to uh, put a pot plant, which I did, on his grave. Um, but, you know, talking about the talkies and the silence, I mean, what an era that was and that shift, you know, that really rocked the film world. It leads very nicely into uh, this year's Palm Dog, which obviously you've staged online because the Palm Dog of all Palm Dogs was indeed Uggy, who was the dog in The Artist that was the film all about the talkies or the silence changing to the talkies. Yes. So that was um, how appropriate for us to give Uggy the palm dog of palm dogs because, um, as you just quite rightly point out, um, this film very much focuses on the, on, on the difficult transition from silent talkies in The Artist. And obviously, uh, Rin Tin Tin was, you know, part and parcel of that transition period as well and that was way back in the 30s and then we come forward 90 years mm. to 2020 and Uggy in a sort of sort of retro throwback but premonition gets a lot of credit for his fabulous turn in the artist it really was fabulous and I, I loved watching it um, online because you've got his owner and trainer of Sion to accept his presentation because of course sadly, sadly Uggy has passed but his double, 
um, another little Parsons Russell Terrier um, will be wearing his amazing collar. Tell us about the collars that you offer all of your winners. Well, I just, if it's permissible, I'd just like to mention briefly how unbelievably wonderful it was to present the prize collar to the living embodiment of the legend of Uggie, which is the name of that little dog you saw in the clip was Dash. And Dash is, a, is, a, is also Jack Russell. Um, and um, he was in the artist in one scene, in the running down the road scene. Uh, but most particularly, he was on set most of the time because he was Uggie's body double. Yeah, and I yeah. I found that absolutely stunningly wonderful that uh, a representative of that Oscar-winning film was able to accept virtually the palm dog of palm dog in in Uggie's, um, is you know a fabulous memory. Absolutely, I didn't know he had a double either. So today I learned that, and it really, it actually made me Isn't cry. It just, yes, uh, it is imagine. more than fantastic. It was wonderful, and his owner. You see, I'd met Omar. Um, actually, I did a little interview with Omar, Uggie's owner and trainer, way back when the film was launching in Leicester Square on the red carpet. And, Oh, yes. And what a humble <laughs> man Omar is, actually, because he's obviously extremely talented. Um, so, yes, I love that. And then, of course, I didn't know till today either, Toby, that the uh, aforesaid Omar played a role in a film that oh, has made me really love Brad Pitt more than I did before. <laughs> What's not to like about a topless Brad Pitt? I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> So explain why that is. <laughs> Not well, that because he's topless. <laughs> well, let's let's just take that for granted that that's a good thing and move on to the subject of Omar von Mula, who is the dog trainer and who uh, found Aggie as a rescue and turned him into a star. And as we now know, uh, he also had Dash, which is another fabulous little Jack Russell. And But when we were giving this over to Omar, it, in all the excitement and interesting chatting backwards and forwards, it suddenly was revealed that Omar had been on the team that had created the dramatic denouement in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when the dog, after being this crazy, big, fearsome looking, but always in the background of Brad's life, is, is, uh, it came to the fore in a ferocious, brave, heroic, and very decisive way. That scene was uh, one of, I believe, fair to say, was the very much the subject matter of Quentin Tarantino's request to all media and audiences who saw the film not to give the game away and the game away i think all these years on we can now say was that brandy the american pitbull uh, came very much to the rescue when brad was in mortal danger he was, it was i know a very vicious scene it was very <laughs> difficult to choreograph and you can imagine the it was it tested every dog trainer skill and the point of all this is that Omar von Mula was drafted in to make that scene work where the 
American pit bull very realistically got his teeth stuck into the Manson gang. <laughs> he so, did. He did. And I love it as well. You know, um, I read a piece, an article about this uh, earlier, and there was a trick involved, which um, I don't think um, anyone will mind me admitting because we love positive food-based reward training, that in that scene there was some um, baby food on um, Brad Pitt's neck that encouraged Brandy to lick his, lick his neck really, you know, vigorously at the end, go, Dad, 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 I love you, I love you, I've saved your life. Exactly. And let's face it, cupboard love is the only true and pure form of love and <laughs> it is there demonstrated on the big screen yes but not only that was demonstrated you see i mean well done quentin you know well done for in terms of highlighting positive pr for bull breeds really and you know the breed that's maligned and indeed actually is illegal in this country in the uk yes. but for raising the profile to you know blockbuster <laughs> levels in a very positive way and for brad for working with the dog you know do you know if brad pitt is a dog lover does he have a dog toby well, I'm not sure he is, a, a, he's not for sure a man in the brand or sorry, the brand in the, in the tradition of people such as, I'll pick him out of uh, Ryan Gosling as being, you know, with his lovely dog that he carries. I believe that dear fellow is pretty getting on now. I'm not sure he's still with us. Ryan is Ryan Gosling is very well known for being a super fan of his dog, as is indeed Hugh Jackman with his French bulldog. Which brings me to the fact that Brad Pitt <laughs> is not known to be going out on the town and exercising his dog, or as in the case famously, I'm sure you'll know this, that when Tom Hardy took his dog onto the red carpet in Leicester Square in a very famous man loves dog moment. Yes, no, amazing. <laughs> well, I think I have missed this actual moment. What happened? The dog didn't poop on the red carpet. No, no, absolutely not. But it was a very in interesting choice by Tom Hardy to appear on the red carpet. Uh, I, I may or may not be correct if I say it was the Cray film, but we can always look this up later. But the thing was, he, Tom Hardy, arrived on the red carpet looking very Tom Hardy fabulous. But instead of having a beautiful starlet, many of whom queuing up for the job, no doubt, <laughs> uh, on his arm, he had this, his fabulous dog. Um, and it would appear that uh, it was something of a photo sensation and was definitely um, unexpected with the uh, crowds at Leicester Square to see, um, as I said, not someone in a long dress, but someone on a long lead. Brilliant, brilliant. And doesn't that make him more desirable, I think, you know, that he actually would prefer to go to a screening with his dog, you know, and that, I think it's brilliant. But, you know, cinema 
surely over the 20 years since you've been doing the Palm Dog now, Toby, have you noticed a change in the amount of film directors that use dogs in the plot? Because certainly there's been a change in cinema lifestyle options with dogs, you know, in the last four years with the Picture House Central in Piccadilly, for everyone lucky enough to live in London, offering dog-friendly screenings, which for me, I think is the most exciting um, uh, inspirational change and development in dog ownership. Well, it's very true to say that the the position of the dog in the in the spectrum of you know uh, acceptance and status and and in, in terms of box office has has very much moved. Uh, the dial has moved since the creation of Palm Dog in 2001, but you know over the last 20 years, and in that time, we have seen a, a great shift, uh, and it, and certainly we've seen a lot more uh, dog movies. I mean, in the recent past, if we, there's such a huge number to think of, but I would say in terms of landmark moments, I'll just pick up on two things. There was the year which uh, it was uh, in the late uh, noughties that uh, we had Marley and me and of course Owen Wilson being such a fabulous person and actor was there at Marley's side Um, and that film was just a colossal landmark of this is a dog as a family member much loved and that very... um, all you know a, a story that rang true to so many people's lives and was such a huge box office hit and that same year very close up there was i think which is a great companion to the marley phenomenon was that it was the year that uh, disney released with very little fanfare because it is seen as a let's see, not even worry about this film, let's put it straight out on video on demand or whatever. But it was the film by the name of Beverly Hills Chihuahua. And that film, it went from a little tiny budget film that Disney were pretty much going to just stick into a a, a remainder bin uh, without too much ceremony to making huge amounts of money. Um, a big box office for that and that was those two films really set the new benchmark going forward for dogs and then bringing it right up today to give you an example again it's disney but as we know they uh have done a uh, a prequel to cruella the 101 dimensions deville called cruella and that will look at how she became the nasty woman that she was and how, what inspired her to have it in for the Dalmatian world. And then there's also a remake, uh, this time using dogs rather than animation, uh, Lady and Tramp. So this is coming. These are, these are big, big things happening. 
But you know what, what my favourite film is, or one of them, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. I absolutely adored that film. That film, I know even Jenny Murray of the BBC, who is a, I'm really sorry about Prudence. Um, oh. This is <laughs> live sound she's a, effects. She's a fan of Beverly Hills Chihuahua. She is. She's watched it. Oh, no. How <laughs> many Prudence? Yes. Um, yes, really good film because the moral of the story, of course, with Beverly Hills Chihuahua is that the, the very spoiled Chihuahua of Beverly Hills with her booties, it ends with her discarding her booties dramatically, doesn't it, Toby, on a train, as if to say, I don't want booties, I don't want diamond collies, collies, collars, I want to be a dog. Exactly. To, to thine own self be true is the message that comes through on Beverly Hills Chihuahua. So, Toby, as well as the Palm Dog, though, um, you also host the sister ceremony, don't you, called the Fidos? Absolutely, and something we're um, having uh, a lot of interest in this year. Um, it was virtual again, but we really did find that it uh, was a, a thing that, in lockdown, the hair that uh, we were very, very pleased that though the cinemas, we were going to the Picture House Central for our ceremony, were closed, we found that the interest levels for the Fidos and the winning, uh, the winners in each category was very much there. And in lockdown, people had the opportunity to really express their great joy that dog performances had been um, rewarded. Explain what the Fidos stand for, um, Toby. And I've just got to say as well, I love your whole rendition online. It is so professionally put together, so entertaining. And the lineup of your judges and panelists, you know, they're quite enviable, I would say. Well, we're very honoured to have, first of all, to start with, say we have a very fabulous uh, panel of judges, Kaleem Aftab from I, uh, newspaper, Wendy Mitchell, who's a Screen International writer, editor, and has just published a book called Citizen Canine, which I know you're aware of. Yes. And then uh, Anna Smith, who is the uh, chair of the Critic Circle film section. So we've also got a number of other people that are putting themselves in there to make sure we make the right choices. And that includes Rita DeSanto from Morningstar. Now, we put this together, FIDOs, you asked what that, that's an acronym, and that is four incredible dogs on screen. So that pretty much says what does what it says on the tin, in this case, the tin of dog food. <laughs> but we have, just to tell you, so the full superstructure of this awards is clear in your mind. We have five categories. We have historical hound for drama of a historical drama nature, blockbuster Bowser, self-explanatory. We have rom-com rover, for the rom-coms, comedy canine, and then the final catch-all, which is called Mutt Moment, which we created because it became self-evident we needed it, which is when a film is given 
it has a dog moment and is given a huge boost by the dog moment. And so even though the dog might not be present throughout, the dog moment is hugely significant. As a for instance, which I know you'll know and your listeners will know, there was Frank in Men in Black who was transmogrified into, I think I'm right in saying a pug, but could have been a French bulldog. And his rendition of I Will Survive out of a New York police cop squad car was a moment so genius that it's a muck moment. These five categories are in the Fidos. And from that, we will pick the uh, best in world, which is the supreme champion as in crafts. And one final thing to say is that we uh, also offer up this category called Fi Dog Manifarian, which is the Fido's for a link between Prudence, for example, and you, or me and Muttley, or for example, Google. We gave um, Palm Dog Manitarian too because Google, as a company, is extremely dog friendly with the workforce. And this year, we I will mention it right now. We gave it to Dr. Claire Guest, who heads up medical detection dogs, who are working very hard to train up their dogs to sniff out COVID-19. So exactly. very timely, we gave that to them. And I know you know Claire Guest and that team. Yes, well, we've done a podcast with Claire. And of course, it was last year, I think, although it all seems weird at the moment time-wise, but I think I presented the Manitarian Award. In fact, I know I did, um, yes, you did. last year. Uh, so I think the Manitarian Award is, is a fabulous thing. And it, it summarises really, you know, as you say, the relationship between man and dog and the whole point of having dogs in films but also I I loved as well um David Copperfield you know and <gasps> Jip in that because interestingly I've we've done a pod on dogs in literature and Dickens is going to be our next one that we do and of course Dickens featured a lot of dogs not only one like Prudence in Oliver Twist you know famous bullseye but Jip in David Copperfield has a voice. It's an interesting depiction of a dog and it really changes your view on Dickens. Oh, I mean, I have to say that I was at a screening, a preview of Copperfield with the director and the great and the good. Ha! Get <laughs> me. What am I like? Show off. <laughs> so I just <laughs> joking. everyone to know that you've got a quality person on your podcast, Anna. And <laughs> afterwards, um, or, well, actually, I'll start that again. And it was very apparent as we sit, as we sat and watched this wonderful film that was so lively and diverse and with the fabulous Deb Patel as David and so forth, and people like Paul Whitehouse and so forth. But it was just indisputable that Jip's hilarity moments were the killer moments in terms of the laughs and it was just so fabulous to have that uh, moment of levity in you know some people would consider the copperfield story you know it, it's quite it, it, it's very full of ups and downs and adventures but it, it doesn't have the 
the humour as as a very much as a full forefront. Even though I have to say, Ben uh, um, as uh, Ben Wishaw as Uriah Heep was. Thank you. You agree, Prudence? Ben Wishaw to write Uriah Heep was extremely effective and amusing. But I'm afraid, Ben, love you like we do. Ben, I'm afraid, Jip got the, the howlers and the, the moments where action stops for laughter in the audience and so forth. It was great. And Jip really did a fabulous job. Excellent. No, I love it. I can't wait to see the film the whole way through. I've only seen snips, obviously, featuring Jip. Um, but if you had to, very quickly now, Toby, name two films featuring dogs that have really touched your heart, what would they be? Well, I think it would be fair to say that uh, there's one is that on a comedy level would be uh, the wonderfulness that is Bruiser in Legally Blonde. So Legally Blonde already has Bruiser as something of a character and Bruiser just became so very central and important that we get to the Million Dog March in the sequel. So I would say Bruiser is very much the new positioning of dogs on the big screen. And being alongside Reese Witherspoon didn't do Bruiser any harm either. <laughs> so that would be number one. And then I would say the second one, I'm going to just pick this randomly. There are so many to choose from. But I would say Rover was the first dog that was a, a, was a film star with profile and was in a short film. But it was the classic of Rover the dog saving the day when a baby gets kidnapped. And that was a British film, and it was just before World War II. I'll start that again. It was a British film, and it was just before World War I. Could have been one, could have been two, I got it wrong. And it was a tremendously effective little scene, which was like, serves as a template for so many films which you could substitute Rover for Lassie. You could substitute Rover for Rin Tin Tin, for Beethoven. All, you know, carrying on and going through. The dog, plucky dog, coming to the rescue and uh, doing the right thing. So I would say that is a key one to me. And something that I've only recently had a chance to view and properly take on board for its significance. So that's probably why it's forefront in my thoughts. Well, I love that. And that's really what dogs do. I mean, think of Turner and Hooch, another one with huge with Tom Hanks. And of course, at the end, there's a kind of happy, hopeful ending that Hooch comes back. And that's a bit like Dennis Quaid's big hit, you know, a dog's purpose. Oh, yes, of course. I mean, that was that was amazing. Yes, I haven't watched it yet because I think it'll make me cry too much, but it's, it's on my, I know, it's on my list. It's on my list. Well, Toby, thanks so much for joining us. And um, I just urge everybody to go to, what's the website for people to check out the Palm Dog and the Figos? I, like I would urge everybody that's listening that loves dogs and wants to know more about their role in the cinema to go to www 
palmdog.com. Brilliant. Thank you, Toby. And will will you come back and talk about um, some new films coming up through the year and give us your critique? I'd be very happy to chip in as and when. I'll switch this very machine on and give you the words of wisdom as I see them. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Great pleasure. That's our show. Well, I think, Prudence, you enjoyed it. You learned an awful lot about Rin Tin Tin. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favourite shows. And while you're there, go on, give us a five-star review. It really will help other dog lovers find us. Thanks also to my producer, Mike Hansen. And if you'd like to find out more, look up at Pod People UK. For Toby Rose, check out at Palm Dog. And for the latest on me, at Anna Webb Dogs. And we'll see you very soon with another episode of A Dog's Life. Bye for now. Pod people.